Hi, everyone. I'm Liam Sanyo from Inside Scientific, your favorite online source for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content, helping you do your best work. This episode of Expert Answers features Dr. Robin Sweeney, product manager at Unchained Labs, who recently presented in a webinar with us where she showcased the use of Raman spectroscopy combined with laser-induced breakdown spectroscopy to identify and characterize microplastics. Let's jump right into it. First question, what are the, the laser options for Hound? Yeah, so I mentioned that we have a couple different configurations. The one used in this study is a 785 nanometer instrument. One thing to mention there, the one used in this study, if you look up the paper, it's actually called an SPE or single particle explorer that has now, it has been renamed Hound and revamped. So that 785 nanometer option is available. We also have the dual Raman that I was talking about. So that 785 nanometer, 532 nanometer dual Raman. And then finally, with that revamp that I mentioned, that revamp not only improves the hardware and the software so that it's a more user-friendly and much faster experience, but it includes a triple laser option that now we have three lasers in one instrument that will have the 785 nanometer Raman, 532 nanometer Raman, and that laser-induced breakdown spectroscopy or LIBS configuration as well. Awesome. Thanks, Robin. Next question here. Yeah. How long does it take to to count the particles? Yeah. So this is really actually pretty dependent on what area, what size area you're scanning. As you can imagine, a small area is much faster than a large area. But for reference, an 18 by 18 millimeter area takes about nine minutes to scan and count. So a small area like a four by four millimeter would be much faster than that. And then if you want to scan the full surface of the filter around, so 25 by 25 millimeter, it just take a couple more minutes. Awesome. Thanks, Robin. What's the difference between normal FTIR and ATR FTIR? Yeah, normal FTIR detects uh, the signal coming from a sample through transmittance. ATR, or like I said before, it stands for attenuated total reflectance as that name suggests, looks at the IR reflections that bounce off of a sample. So just a brief summary of this, the advantages are that you can use it with three-dimensional particles, and it works better for smaller particles than traditional IR. So in this study, since we're looking at pretty small particles, you can imagine that that was really beneficial here. Awesome. Another question here, how long does it take to to identify the particles by Ramon? Yeah, just like the count and size, the scanning area depends on how big of an area you're doing. How long to identify depends on how many particles and what parameters you're using. With Raman, you have a couple settings that you can adjust. One of them is the exposure time. So you can actually use an exposure time of anywhere from one second up to five minutes or 300 seconds. So you can imagine if you use a longer exposure time, things are going to take longer. In an ideal case though, where you're using a lower exposure time, you can analyze uh, 200 particles in half an hour. So really from there, if you're increasing your exposure time from like one second to 10 seconds to 60 seconds, whatever it may be, it's just gonna depend on that. Perfect, thanks. Another question here, was there, yeah, was there a reason that the larger particles were not identified in the automated mode? 
Yeah, they actually were. I just didn't talk about that during the webinar. But in this study, another thing that the researchers did was they took 100 particles and analyzed the filter round automatically for that larger size bin. They also wanted to look at how robust this is. So they actually did this in repeats by rotating the filter around 90 degrees four different times and did that automated identification over those 100 particles at different angles of the filter round. Ah, gotcha. Perfect. Here's a question. Robert has asked, will the pores be detected as a particle from the gold filter? And is it smaller than the two micrometer? So that's kind of a two-part question. So to start with the size of the pores. We have filter rounds that range anywhere in pore size from 0.8 microns up to 10 microns. So typically you want to use a pore size that's smaller than your particles of interest. That way your particles of interest don't go through the pores. So that's why we have one all the way down to 0.8 microns. So you always have a pore size that's smaller than your particles. And then for looking at the pores and if they're going to be counted as particles, the answer to that is most often no. So you're going to set up your experiment in a way that the pores are never counted as particles. One way that this is really easy to do is that dark field imaging that I briefly mentioned. So Hound uses both bright field and dark field imaging, but the dark field imaging Actually, since it's using the reflective surface of the gold to illuminate particles from underneath, really makes those pores disappear into the background so that they're never counted as particles. But like I said, they are, if your experiment's set up the right way, they're always smaller than the particles of interest. So you do have options on that. Perfect. Great answer, Robin. Here's a good question. Does the gold grid create a non-uniform surface intensity? And how does that affect quantification of the Raman spectra if the substrate isn't uniform? Yeah, the substrate actually is very uniform. So one thing to, when they say gold grid, I'm guessing that they mean the, the pores within the gold filter. The filter round, it's a membrane that's coated in gold. When you're loading it into Hound, you're actually putting it in a sample mount that's going to clamp that membrane to make a perfectly optically flat surface. That way you have a really uniform a flat surface. And then, like I said, those pores are very small. So you actually have a pretty uniform gold coating on there as well. And the pores aren't going to impact any of your ability to see particles. Awesome. Here's a a good question. Are there any differences between hound and uh, particle size analysis or the, the dynamic light scattering? Yeah, there's quite a few differences, actually. The biggest difference is that if you're looking at just particle size analysis or DLS, what you're looking for there is particle size. With Hound, not only are you getting particle size, but you're also getting count, shape parameters, and identification. The other thing to note for DLS, you're typically looking at particles less than one micron in size. So on the nanometer scale for particles that you're looking at with DLS, whereas Hound, you're looking at that micron scale. Perfect. And I think in the interest of time, uh, we're just going to cover one more question here. How do you analyze tire particles with your microscope? Because they're they're typically opaque. And I think you might have touched on this a little bit in your presentation. Yeah. So like I said in the presentation, the gold coated surface with that dark field imaging helps us to get high contrast between particles and the background, whether they're translucent or opaque. 
So for tire particles, I imagine that they are not clear, but they still could blend into the background of the surface if they are a similar color to the filter. So that gold coated surface with dark field imaging really gives you that high contrast. And as soon as you can see the particle, analysis is no problem. You can go for it as usual. So I would imagine tire particles would not be a big problem. Thanks so much, Robin, for joining us today to share your insights about identifying microplastics. Yeah, of course. Thanks, Liam. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Expert Answers and that you'll tune into future episodes where researchers just like you answer questions about their work and share science. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next time.